Welcome to That's the Word, Wholesome Tales for the Whole Family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, Staring Down the Coup. Horatio grimly stepped in front of the assembly. He was not looking forward to this meeting. The men gathered there were dissatisfied with the current government and wanted a change. They were concerned that they were not going to be paid for their service. And so, they plotted revolt. Last week, a letter had circulated calling for the potential overthrow of the current administration. That did not sit well with the general Horatio served, the man who would be king. He was deeply troubled that such a letter would circulate calling for a meeting in a few days to plot the rebellion. The general directed that no such meeting would happen on that date. However, there would be a meeting a few days later, March 15th. So there Horatio stood in front of the assembly on that fateful March 15th. The general, the man who would be king, did not intend to validate the meeting with his presence and then asked Horatio to lead the meeting. He left Horatio the thankless task of facing the assembly of angry and determined men. With an inward sigh, he opened the meeting. Just as Horatio was getting started, a stir arose in the back. Everyone was shocked, including Horatio, to see approaching the front of the assembly, the general, the man who would be king. The men were thrown off and surprised. They too thought their general would not attend. The general politely asked Horatio if he could have the floor, and Horatio, still stunned, yielded. The man who would be king surveyed the assembly. Though surprised, they were still mad and did not show him the usual respect. The general began his speech. It was short, but impassioned. He acknowledged that the anonymous letter had made some excellent points, but he condemned the remedy proposed. He begged the men to remember their service to their country and his service to that same country. He asked that they wait and let their grievances be worked out. He understood their concerns, but overthrowing the current government was not the way to fix them. Would they sully their honor with such an act? So spoke the man who would be king that March 15th. Some men began to respond to the leader's words. They had looked up to him in the past, and he had led them to victory. Should they cast aside his sage advice now? 
The man who would be king felt the change in the room. It was a start, but it was not nearly enough. In fact, said the man who would be king, I have a letter here with regard to your grievances. He paused for a second, squinting at the paper, then took out his glasses. As he put them on, he remarked, Gentlemen, you must pardon me. I have grown gray in your service and now find myself growing blind. That broke the assembly. They remembered all of the challenges they had endured together, all the hard times in which their fearless general, the man who would be king, had seen them through. The man before them would not betray them. They would follow his advice, even if it meant waiting a few more months. Shortly thereafter, that meeting on March 15th, the Ides of March, came to a close. The man who would be king had prevented a military coup. Though it is not well remembered today, this attempted coup threatened to overturn a country, a country that was still recovering from a great war, a country that was nearly bankrupt and could not afford to pay its soldiers. Unable to raise the necessary funds, the government could not pay the military. The army was strongly considering marching on the capital, demanding their pay, and potentially taking over the government if their demands were not met. Perhaps the Republic would have died that year, and the man who would be king placed on the throne. But unlike a military figure who had stood before another assembly on the Ides of March, this great general would not crown himself king. This man whom the soldiers adored would not use his power for his own gain. Unlike Julius Caesar, who worked to seize power from the Roman Republic and turn it into the Roman Empire, this man, who fought so hard to free territory of the British Empire and make room for an American Republic, stood before his troops at Newburgh and rejected any notion of overturning their Congress. The man who would be king if he had wanted the crown, General George Washington. And for this week, that's the word. John Peer and I want to wish everyone a post-Happy Independence Day. Hope you had a blessed 4th of July as this is coming out shortly after the, the federal holiday. And we have another story about George Washington. And I have to honestly say, being a lover of American history, I had never heard about the Newburgh conspiracy. Yes. So what happened here was the troops were now camping outside of New York. So they're in Newburgh, New York, 
kept me outside the city of New York where the last uh, red coat garrison is, or the main red coat garrison is. They're in negotiations trying to end the war. And all these troops are sitting there, were promised pay, and they're not getting pay. And there's no sign of them getting pay. Hmm. And they're thinking, we're not going to get paid. We don't like this. Congress needs to fix this. But Congress can't pay them because it has no money, because it can't raise taxes under the Articles of Confederation. It's trying to get the states to give them money so they can pay the soldiers, but the states are reluctant to give them any money now that the war is over and now that there's not redcoats marching over their lands. Mm -hmm. They don't really think that there's a big deal. And rule number one of being in power is pay your army. Otherwise, stuff like this happens when we're this close to the army marching on Congress. I think they're in Philadelphia at this point and taking over the government. And that would have been a very different world and a very different America if something like this had happened and had been successful. And I mean, who knows what would have resulted from that? It probably wouldn't a great it may not have resembled greatly the current America we live in today. It's amazing how I remember as a teenager learning about the Revolutionary War. It's it's just amazing of all the twists and turns and all the different figures. And just to clarify, we know how to pronounce the general's name that was mentioned throughout this story, who General Washington had uh, asked to lead the assembly. We call him Horatio, but his actual name was Horatio Gates, he was a general. The hero of Saratoga. And so there, there are so many figures uh, in the American War and also in the founding of America, some that we know and some who are lesser figures, but nonetheless very important and critical. But as you and I were talking off air, and perhaps that's the reason why we have a second story now on General George Washington. I mean, he was a key player to make sure that uh, the American founding was successful and did not stray from the principles of the founding fathers. There were others who were needed to make America what it is today, but without him, we would not have America. And isn't there a story? I, I still remember this story that because he, uh, Washington served two terms and then he chose at the end of his second term not to run. Because it would have been a slam dunk. He would have mm -hmm. easily have won a third term. Mm -hmm. I heard the story that the King of England, when he heard that, when he heard that General Washington, President Washington at the time, had voluntarily chosen not to run again for president and to step down, he made some kind of comment about this is truly a great man. Because uh, I, I think he realized you know, what a leader uh, George Washington was, if he was able to lead, but also knew his time when, when to step away. The first change of power, when George Washington's administration stepped aside and made way for John Adams's administration, was the first time, I think in the world history, that such an event, of such a change of power took place peacefully. Hmm. And, and I recall, and of course, we talked about this in another afterward with our story of General Washington just going last year to Washington, D.C. 
and seeing some of the artifacts. And of course, we celebrate Fourth of July in honor of the Declaration of Independence. And, and to be able to see all that and just, it's just, I always love Fourth of July. It's just a reminder of, you know, the great blessings it is to live in this country. And also a reminder of who came before us that allowed these blessings to happen. If you enjoy That's the Word, please share the word. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter at sonsofthunderrock.com. That's also where you can find our social links and our email if you want to give us feedback or have story ideas. Thanks for listening and join us next Wednesday for another wholesome tale for the whole family.